This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forever. Dog. Rose and Jamie are two best friends. And they love sex and the city. And they couldn't help but wonder. Do you love it too? Carrie. Miranda. Samantha. Charlotte. Cosmos. Cheese. So many dudes. Every little dude. All the dudes. And we couldn't help but wonder. Jamie Lee and Rose Cerno. I'm Jamie Lee. And I'm Rose Cerno. And this is Couldn't Help But Wonder, a podcast where we talk about sex in the city and how it relates to us. Jamie Lee, Jamie Lee, Rosalie, Rosalie. January 2021. Cool. Oh my God. We are in the new year with the new episode, baby. How's it going? It's going well. I'm excited about the new year. I'm into like New Year's as a concept. You are? Do you like do resolutions and I do. Do you want to hear my resolutions? I would love to. Who are your resolutions this week? My resolutions this week are (laughs) actually this is that's good. That's a good one. Okay, I'm gonna do that. I like that. I like that. Okay, so my resolutions are a total carry Mm. because my main resolution is to get like a handle on my finances. I love that. I'm just like a person who just spends. I just spend and I don't think and I I couldn't tell you how much I spend per month on food. I don't know. I can't tell you how much I spend on entertainment. I never keep track. And I come from a long line of women who have no control over their finances. God, same. And I just kind of was like, I don't like this feeling. It gives me anxiety because no matter how much I make, it doesn't even matter. I, I feel very intimidated by like spending. And I just don't have like, I'm just not grounded in reality. Because if you don't look at the numbers, then you actually don't know what you can afford. And you actually don't Absolutely. know. So my big resolution is just to write down everything I spend every day on an Excel spreadsheet, which I've been doing for like a week. And it's not supposed to punish or make you feel bad. It's just supposed to enlighten you so you can go, okay, I spend about $200 a week on food. That's a lot. Is that right? Do I like that? Like, or should I spend a little less and then like go on a vacation at the end of the year? Or something? Yeah. You know, like, yeah, that's really so, good. Yeah. That's it's almost like one. the way pe- it's like the, almost the way people talk about. I don't keep a food journal, but it's the way people talk about keeping a food journal. It's like it's not there to shame you. It's just so you're aware of what you're putting in your body. I feel like it's kind of a similar concept. It's like it's just so you can see with your eyes visually what is actually being spent and how. Yeah. And then I think it also just makes it like 
Like Postmates is so expensive. I mean, it's God, just like it's, it's so like forty five dollars a meal, and it just makes you think. Like when you start writing it down and really looking at it, it kind of makes you go, "Okay, I don't really feel like cooking, but do I really want to spend forty five dollars on dinner? That's oh, kind of a lot." I mean, I'm in New York right now, and I haven't done like a proper grocery shop just because I don't even Seems know like why. Hassle. Honestly, yeah. I just I'm. It's like there's something too. Just the energy of the city is kind of like or fly by the seat city. of your pants, like. Don't plan, like order seamless, order Grubhub. Like, it's just kind of like, I don't know. There's just like a flippancy to it. So I haven't just gone to the grocery store as if I were living in any other city. And I realized yesterday, I'm like, I spent a hundred dollars on two meals because I, I ordered two Grubhubs. I'm like, that is fucking, what am I spending a hundred dollars a day? Well, that would be like three on meals, thousand like, dollars a month or something. It's fucking stupid. I was yeah. like, I have to go. So today after we record, I'm like, yeah, going to the grocery store. Yeah. Right and I just feel like I was talking to my friend who's in a couple of 12 step programs for money, like under earners anonymous and debtors anonymous. And I don't need either of those. Cause I don't feel like those are my issues. But one thing he told me that was useful is he was like, the nice thing about like, writing down what you spend is it's not to like make yourself feel bad. It's just truly to understand. It's just gaining knowledge. It's a self-awareness. Yeah. 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 I think it's really important. And also like, it also allows you to prioritize because maybe you're spending in a way that you're like, I actually don't even care that much about whatever fill in the blank, but I am spending a lot on it. So that's an easy place to cut back because that's not even like a top priority for me. Well, travel is a really big priority. Like when I think about like, I was talking to somebody about like, like the best times of my life and just looking through photos. And I was like, what every time I travel, whether it's literally to like Big Sur or to another country, it's like always a peak life experience. And I'd right. just much rather spend my money on experiences than just like things. Yeah. So that's yeah. a big one for me. Do you have any resolutions? Um, I guess my, I don't, I actually hadn't really thought about it. I think, um, I don't know why. I think maybe because last year I was more resolution oriented and then the year just went so haywire yeah. that I felt I feel a little burned from 2020 yeah. resolutions. Also, I heard a long time ago, I heard Brian Cranston on a podcast and he kind of echoed how I've always felt about like goal setting and stuff. And it's not a good thing. I'm not proud of it, but like he was basically like, I have a really hard time setting goals because then if I don't achieve them, I feel like I failed. So I feel like I kind of do that too, where I'm like, ah, I'm just riding the wave. Cause like, if I were to actually say out loud, like what I hope to achieve this year, what I hope to, you know, do for myself or whatever the resolution is, I just am like, Oh, but if I don't do it, then I'm going to be like, wow, well that was a year where I didn't accomplish that. So as a result, I think I kind of double down the other way and I'm just like, we'll just see. Like, let's just see what happens in 2021. I think that's cool, but too. My therapist, I don't know. Well, my Buddhist therapist that thinks that, like, is kind of more aligned with that of like. You think so? OK. Well, just a little bit like self-improvement is just kind of a way to be like, I can't love myself until. And resolutions kind oh, that's of have a shade of that. Yeah. Wow. I never thought about it like that. That's a really interesting point of view. Yeah, because it's kind of like, oh, if I lose weight this year or sell yeah. a movie or whatever. A little bit of scarcity of- mentality. It's a little like you don't have the thing and you want the thing. Yeah, kind of. Versus being like, actually, like you have everything you need right now. You just have to. I would say, Jamie, that your resolutions are Samantha because you're just like, I'm living and I'm loving and I'm learning. Maybe that's it. I think, yeah, it really was because last year was I think I actually like had a call with my managers and was like, here are the things I want this year. And then literally like none of them happened because they couldn't. And so, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, this year, I think I'm just kind of like, I just wanted to be 
I just want it to be a good year. I'm like, let's whatever that means. I just want to look back and be like, that was a good year. So, yeah, that's my very broad resolution. Yeah. So whatever that means for me, I hope that I call that in. Yeah, I love that. I I have uh, two dangly ones after the money one. And one of them is to be completely healed with no pain. That's another resolution. That's a great one. But I mean, that's a little bit out of my control. I'll do the best I can. Um, And then the other one is to be more disciplined. Um, I have a I have an issue with procrastination. So I Mm. I want to be a little tougher on myself. I like that these feel I like that these are kind of like behavioral a little bit. There's something kind of cool about like. It's not like I I want this like there's no like materialism behind it. It's more just like, yeah, it's more like improving your way of life, which I think, I think is so. Great. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, that was great. I loved that. Me too. Great suggestion, Sky. Love that. Um, Hi, everybody. Tim Heidecker here with huge news. We have a terrific episode of Office Hours Live prepared for you. We had the great stand-up comedian Kyle Kinane come in and a very special in-studio music session from legendary Emdu Mokhtar. You're not going to want to miss this one. You can find it on your podcast app of choice by going to Sears or Macy's and getting an iPod and then coming home, charging it up and listening through your app. Okay, so this week we are covering season six, episode eight. It's called The Catch. Rose, take us into it. Gladly. This episode opens with Carrie on a big assignment. She's covering the hot new trapeze trend for New York Magazine, which, by the way, I wonder if that really was a trend. I don't remember. I I do think it kind of was. Was I remember doing a stand up show at a trapeze school in Brooklyn. Wow. Yeah. It also sounds like like an ultimate Brooklyn stand up show. (laughs) It it was. Yeah, it was. It was actual hell. There were like aerial dancers behind me when I was like trying to land punchlines. Wait, that is like literally almost like that's like the ultimate test of a comedian. Like, can you make people laugh when there's people like flying through the air behind you? It was so stupid. I was like, why am I here? Like, is that not is the is the person who's like naked dangling from the ceiling not enough to stimulate you guys you need to add a comedian to the mix like to really get your fill it's almost like, like millennials and gen z's are like so insanely adhd that they're like yeah a new trapeze artist just like isn't gonna do is it, it isn't, it's not enough yeah did you have I mean, anything else yeah are you That's just gonna so... tell jokes could you also like juggle while taking a shit because um, we <laughs> we need to just kick this up 15 Wait, notches while taking a shit guys she hasn't lost a damn thing okay so Stanford came along to watch her swing because obviously he has no life of his own. He's just a gay best friend. <laughs> um, oh, it's sad but true. Yep. And she can't quite bring herself to let go and leap to her trapeze partner, which is so hilarious. The metaphor of like, I just can't let go is just hammered so hard on this episode. Yes, it is. Oh, my God. It's like really on the nose. Um, yes. Meanwhile, at Samantha's, she's struggling to get out of a dress. It's one of the big headaches of living alone. So she decides not to be alone and invites Smith over to help and have sex. It's so funny that she can't just say, can you come over and zip my dress? She has to like pretend 
that it's like for sexual purposes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. She can't just admit she needs help. Yeah. It has to be like, come over and I'm going to like whip yeah, you. Yeah. I'm going to fuck the fuck out of you. But also, can you help me out? I know. <laughs> yeah. It's so silly. Okay, so over in Central Park, Charlotte and Harry shoot engagement photos for the New York Times. Harry is not great at smiling, but Charlotte wears him down. She's like trying to get him to show the perfect amount of teeth. It was very funny. He was so uncomfortable. At Miranda's, Steve shows up with gifts, an ugly clown shirt for Brady from Debbie, who also didn't forget about Miranda. She bought me a fucking candle. And it was an aromatherapy candle for serenity and calm. I was much more serene and calm before the fucking candle. Women with candles replace women with cats is the new sad thing. Oh, and get this. He thinks I should meet her. I sense that he wants us to become friends. Oh, no, 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 no. Forget it. You do not need to become friends with the new girlfriend. It's unnatural, uncomfortable, insincere, and rife with ulterior motives. Has this happened to you? No. I'm just being supportive. But there is a baby involved. Exactly. She's using Brady to get to me, and I am not falling for it. Oh, speaking of falling, I tried the trapeze yesterday for that piece that I'm writing. I could never. I have the most terrible fear of heights. Well, I do not. You've seen my shoes. So did you fly through the air with the greatest of ease? At first, but then I couldn't do a catch. All I had to do was let go and reach for the guy who was very cute, and I still couldn't do it. You are insane for getting into a harness without even the hope of an orgasm. When I was listening to this, it was just so writerly, like, and this is not a criticism. It just feels like a script, like when she goes, you know, uh, speaking of which, like even just the transitions in conversation. Oh, yeah. Agreed. I thought this was one of the more overly written feeling. Yes. Yes. Even when when she was doing that, like the list of like, you cannot befriend an ex if they're. I was like, oh, my God, this is like, yeah, you can just see it written on the page with like all the commas. Yeah. Also, I really enjoy Samantha being like a judgmental little sassafras, but I don't agree at all that having candles is sad. I think candles are so fabulous and chic. I will say I agree. I love candles. And I actually during the pandemic specifically like went and bought really like high quality scented candles for my office. And it like really changed the vibe in there. Absolutely. Um, But I will say at that time, I felt that way. I remember feeling like not that having candles was like made you a cat lady. That part I did not connect with. But I remember thinking candle, like getting someone a candle was like the lamest fucking gift. I was like, that is just so lame. Because I think at that time, fancy scented candles, that wasn't really. It's like Yankee Doodle, like cotton candy candle. No, it was. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it was. It was like Yankee candle, like the trash store at the mall. Yeah, like green apple for like after you shit. Exactly. Yeah. Like just the grossest sense. Like, yeah, it was like <laughs> pumpkin pie. Like, <laughs> it's like, imagine taking a poop and then like walking in the bathroom and it smells like a candy. That's like not good. I mean, honestly, like those candles do like there are some Yankee candles that smell fucking incredible. I think there was one called Beach Jamie, House that was like, I it was like, this. yeah, it was just like Hamptons in a wick. Oh, but Jamie. like, yeah, I mean, don't mind if I do. But, uh, but it, uh, But then I do think since this episode premiered candles, there's like a new like market that has been tapped into with candles where it's like you can get a diptyque or like a what's it? 
Veluspa or something or like I like P&G candles a lot. I don't know P&G. But yeah, that's my point is there's just so many brands or like Molten Brown makes really delicious candles. Like, I don't know. I feel like you can get some like really good, beautiful scents now. And that just like wasn't a thing back then. My point is, if someone gave me a candle as a gift now, I'd be like, oh, my God, thank you. But back then I would have been like, what the fuck? I mean, exactly. Yes. And I guess I'm trying to think like where she's making that being like a sad thing. But maybe it's also this idea of like maybe what she's what Samantha's referring to. It's like it's Friday night. You don't have a date, but you just like do this night for yourself where you like light a bunch of candles. Maybe that's like the sad version or something. I don't know. I know. I mean, that's definitely like a good theory. I don't really see how candles are inherently sad. sad. Yeah. I, I think in part that it's just like you can get it for any like it's the least personal gift. It's, that's my point. I think in terms of gift giving at the time, it was like fucking pathetic. Like it yeah. was just not a cool gift. But now clearly somebody tapped into that and was like, how about we make candles that are cool? Like, let's 100%. make candles that actually don't smell like green candy apple. So um, what do we think about uh, Miranda being like? so irritated that this girl got her a candle where where are we at with that i i love the i love it because i think that she's so in love with steve that no matter actually th- actually the writing on debbie is kind of great because debbie is kind of a catch like she seems really nice she's hot she loves brady you know like she's like she seems i guess they kind of write her as a more like simple woman um, she's kind of like a female Steve in that way, like just kind of uncomplicated. Absolutely. Yes. And I like that they didn't. I like that they wrote her that way. I like that they made her kind of like neutral and likable because then it's more about Miranda's lens, which is no matter how nice the ex is, it does not matter. They are the fucking enemy when you're still in love with Steve. Yeah, I, I love that point that you bring up because it's like. Is exactly as you say that Steve's girlfriend is the female Steve. She's hot. She's blue collar. She doesn't seem that educated. She's easygoing. Yeah. And it's kind of like this thing of like, she's everything that Miranda isn't. Right. But then it's kind of romantic because like complete spoilers. Don't listen if you haven't seen the show, which 99% of you are just giant fans of the show. Right. But it kind of shows you it's like at the end of the day, we don't just want to date ourselves. It's the, the, the tension of someone different that actually is exciting. That is so beautifully said. That is right. It's the tension. Yeah. Yeah, it's that the difference. Is, it's like... Totally. To- yeah, you don't want to just like stare in a mirror, especially if you're anything like me where it's like, I just like riddled with self-hatred. I can't imagine dating someone who is exactly well, like me. Staring I would just in like, the mirror pu- as Jamie Lee is, I would imagine, exquisite experience. I would oh, love to I stare in the mirror. Thank you, but no. Well, I, I completely agree with you. I also think it's an interesting discussion that they're having because... Obviously, Carrie's trying to be extremely supportive and she's like, oh, that's so fucked up that he want that she wants to be your friend. That never works. And I I would say it doesn't work if you still have feelings. But if you have a kid and you're not still in love, I actually think it's an excellent idea to become friends with your ex's girlfriend because you're raising a kid together. Why not? Make it easy for the kid. Make it easy for everybody. Yeah, no, totally. Just make it a smooth transition for everyone involved. Yeah, like I think that Carrie is just overcompensating by being like, oh no, it's a horrible idea. And it's like, it's only a horrible idea because you're still in love with him. But like, that's the only reason. No, you actually should make the effort otherwise. Yeah. I think so. I actually think you're, what you're bringing up is dead on because it's like, 
ideally you become really good friends with Debbie. Like, why, why wouldn't you? Like, that would just make your life so much easier. It would make every, everything would just be easier if everybody got along. You know what? This reminds me of a really, you know, uh, everyone on this Zoom is a writer, uh, Jamie, Skyler, me. And something that you always try and think of when you're writing, I think the biggest challenge of writing is like, how do I do something that's been done a million times before, but do it like slightly different. So I'm giving someone something else. And I think a great example of that, that has to do with what we're talking about is on the show Smilf, where um, the main character's ex starts dating this super hot, bubbly girl. And instead of doing the totally expected thing by making her, I don't remember the main girl's name, Frankie. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't, that's Frankie Shaw's the Frankie actor. Frankie Shaw. By making the, the actor Frankie Shaw hate her, instead she really liked her and they got along gangbusters. And I honestly think that was a really cool, sophisticated choice because the yes. obvious choice is she hates her, she sucks. And I'm like, those are the kind of things that make the writing better and also like life, like make, make the more sophisticated choice. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's a really great example. Totally. Um, okay. So Rose, take us back into it. So midway through the core four's lunch, Harry stops by with a whole bunch of wedding materials for Charlotte. Also, like kudos to Harry, because being married to Charlotte is probably so hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely planning a wedding. with Charlotte. Oh, Jesus. He also brought his best man, Howie, who he thinks would make a great match for Carrie. Howie hits on her a bit, but Carrie's skeptical. He's only in town for the wedding and she isn't looking for a vacation fling. He leaves her his card just in case. Later, Carrie heads for more trapezing. Yet again, she can't bring herself to let go and make the big launch to her trapeze partner. Over at Charlotte's, she and Anthony do some more wedding prep. He is hunting down candles and taking calls from the New York Times fact checker. She's trying on her wedding dress. They're having a blast until it all goes wrong when Harry shows up. Charlotte freaks out because she's like, oh, my God, you can't see me in my dress. This is bad luck. And she like freaks out and runs away. You know what? To be fair, I would also be absolutely oh, yeah. devastated. Are you fucking if- kidding? It's like one of the only traditions that's like fun is like it's the such reveal a fun of the dress. Thing. Yeah, that's a huge bummer. It's just like such an inconsequential fun part of getting married is like getting to wear a fabulous dress and like debut it for everyone. Yeah. And having your husband to be, be like, <gasps> like, oh, my God. I also liked I also liked in in this sequence, um, you, you all make the point so often that we get so little Anthony in the show and Anthony gets to have a moment with Harry after Charlotte books it, which I think is like sweet. It's fun to see him get to interact with other characters who are That's in great, the show. That's a really great observation. That's so true. It's like it's really thrilling when he just like becomes more immersed in this world by talking to other people besides Charlotte. Exactly. My biggest criticism of the show besides like the out of control racism and homophobia yeah. is, is not enough. Anthony Anthony should have been the fifth core five. You know, I, I agree. Think, I think now he would be. But yes, I, I 100% agree. Like Maybe early when they bring 2000s. it back on HBO Max, they will feature Anthony more heavily. Also, I can't wait to review the oh, <laughs> that's going to be so God. fun. OK, so down at Samantha's, she and Smith get ready for a few weeks apart. He has to shoot his new Gus Van Sant film down in Mexico. It's so hilarious. I mean, amazing. And she has to, well, kind of get him out of there. She doesn't really want to hear that he's going to miss her. And she papers over her feelings by telling him not to do anything she wouldn't do while he's away. And Miranda's at home hanging out with Brady when she hears quite the knock at the door. 
Miranda! I can't find my keys. Magda! You still have keys? I'm not home. Because of Brady. Do you understand? I'm already at Charlotte's. I am not home. Is Miranda here? She is not home. <laughs> oh, well, that's too bad. I was really looking forward to meeting her. She is not home. Magda, this is Debbie. Nice to meet you. All right, uh, it's so like we a just some things out of Brady's crib. Last time I forgot Mr. Elephant and Brady acted like a big baby, didn't you, B-boy? <laughs> he is a big baby. He's <laughs> uh, cute. Uh, I, I, I have not cleaned the room yet. That's okay. This is a nice room. She has nice taste. Yeah, I helped build the crib. Really? Whoa! <laughs> What's wrong, Brady? Did you drop your binky? Where's your binky? Uh, right there. Oh. Here you go, Bradylicious. <laughs> hey, wanna go to Blockbuster and rent a tape or something? Okay, but this time I get the pick. <laughs> Bye. Bye, Magda. There's a lot of dust down there. You really should vacuum. Okay, first of all, the reason that I love Miranda more than any other character on this show is because even though they don't give her as many glamorous moments, Carrie gets all of those, they give her all of the vulnerable, relatable, real moments that yeah. just really endears you. That's my feeling about her. Yeah, I Absolutely. mean, this whole thing. Also, like her relationship with Magda is so special and watching that evolve especially more and more in season six is like maybe my one of my favorite dynamics on the show if not my most favorite dynamic i'm obsessed with their relationship i think it's so funny i think it's amazing how magda's just like become part of her family and like yeah and magda just like going to bat for her and lying for her i just thought all of it was just so funny that's a really interesting point, Jamie. And it's in we've talked about this many times that they, they really barely slash rarely bring up anyone's family. But I think there's some sort of insinuation that like seems like Miranda was not close to her own mother. And it's kind of sweet that you're right, that she has Magda's this kind of like her mom. Yeah, it's really kind of lovely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also very effortless. Like, it's funny because, you know, Miranda is Miranda. She's like a little terse and like not very like warm necessarily with Magda at least not outwardly so the way that Magda still shows up for her even even knowing that it's like you can tell like she really cares about Miranda and like the way she got excited when I think that we already saw that episode where she was like yeah like uh the Atlantic City episode when she was showing Magda was showing Carrie pictures of Brady on the fridge mm -hmm. she was like look at him he's so like she's just like so excited for that, you know, it's not like her biological daughter or anything, you know, but she treats Miranda like a daughter and she treats Brady like her grandson. That's really it's just sweet. like really sweet. Yeah, I do have to say I absolutely adore this scene. The one thing I sort of was craving, I don't know how you guys feel, is I kind of wanted her to get busted. I kind of wanted the girl oh, to see been her. Amazing. It would have been so satisfying. I mean, watching a yeah. Miranda have to explain that away. 
You're right. That is a little bit of a missed opportunity for comedy, right? It would be a little farcical, but like they, yeah, they can make it grounded. They but when she grounded. throws the fucking, yeah, uh, yeah, it's throws like, the pacifier how did that out. Just- yeah, yeah. Also, Brady Licious is so funny that <laughs> Debbie calls the baby Brady Licious. It's like crazy. That's just Debbie, like such a great. It's so funny. Debbie is Debbie is very funny to me in this sequence because also like like her laughing at and we're gonna tape or something exactly. And then like, like and then Steve like Steve just says like okay right. basically and she like cracks up. It's so funny the way they write yeah. her in this. It's like okay, but I get to pick the tape this time. Wait, guys, can I share my own Miranda moment of this? Oh yes, oh, I wanted please. to do the same because I had I did oh, this happen to me once too. I want okay, to hear. Okay, for dedicated hardcore fans, I feel like I may have said this story like a year ago, but who remembers? I was living in downtown LA like six or seven years ago, and I was walking down the street and I saw like in the distance this guy, Miles who used to be a friend of mine in New York, who used to have a crush on me in New York, and I kind of denied him because he was available and liked me. So I was like, no, I think I'm going to find somebody who's not available and doesn't like me. So <laughs> then finally, when my like brain caught up to like, oh, this guy is great, he like was engaged and it was too late. And I saw him and his wife, and I was like, oh, hell no, I'm not saying hi to these people. And so I saw them in the distance and I just like booked it and like went in another direction. And then I like got a coffee or something and I came out and he and her were there and they're like, we thought we saw you. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh no. my God, I fully oh like ran God. away from them, but they like didn't let me escape. They like that's busted so funny. Me. Yeah. Oh, my God. They pursued you. They're they like- fucking pursued me. I was like, listen, I already made a mistake by not dating you. I don't need to like see you in your happy relationship. Oh, now. my God. They like refused to give you what you wanted which was like a text like three hours later saying like hey we think we saw you yes you're like come on guys we know the social cues here don't do that to me if you see somebody fleeing away from you you don't need to be like hey yeah just let them flee do them the courtesy yeah i was really upset i thought i like was like i was like phew yeah literally wiping sweat off your breath 100 percent uh, the, the thing that happened to me was with my first, like, sort of serious girlfriend in high school, we were like 16 or whatever. And, so, and we like lived in the same neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And so when we would go like make out with each other or whatever, we would like have to do it at one of each other's houses. Like obviously everyone lived with their families and whatnot. Yeah. And one time I went over, we, to, so we could make out and about like midway through her brother, who was a little bit older, like showed up at home and i was not supposed to be there and so again we were all also 16 so naturally she had an absurd amount of pillows and so i I had to i had to hide against the wall of her bed under all of these pillows while her boy excuse me her brother sat on the bed to have some conversation with her oh my god that's Which I also feel like that's a rom com moment. A hundred percent. But I also feel I mean, like that's not even like behind a curtain. Like you're on the same surface with them. Yeah. I was that's like terrifying. But I have to imagine Were that you like so scared. Well, it was more that like I think that also like being a brother myself, like and like having younger siblings, like I have to suspect he knew I was there and he was just like fucking with his sister and kind of being a dick. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, okay, okay, okay. But it was okay. still that, like that adds up. That adds up. But at the time, we were all like, this is going to be a nightmare. I'm just Uh, over here trying not to audibly breathe. (laughs) Yeah. Oof, man. I had a situation where 
when I was, I think I was a senior in high school. This is so embarrassing, but I liked this guy and we, he was like into me. I don't really remember what happened, but something shifted. And then he just kind of went into that mode of like, she's crazy. And you're like, okay, whatever. Um, Wait, so whatever. that's I, hilarious. You know, you're like, well, how did this turn so fast? But anyways, <laughs> um, so I went, I lived in Dallas and he and his friends were in Denton, which is like 45 minutes outside of Dallas. So whatever we drove, me and my friend Katie drove all the way to Denton to go like hang out at this house with all these guys. And we got there the guy that I liked, Davey, was not around. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. Like, I thought he was, like, going to be here. I thought everybody was here. And uh, I went in to use the restroom. And then I, like, whatever, came out. And then we didn't stay that much longer. We kind of, like, left because I think I was like, oh, he's not even here. Like, I don't want to just, like, hang out with these people. And then I later found out he was hiding in the shower <gasps> while I was peeing. <laughs> Jamie, that's amazing. You have to write that into something that's, that's so, so funny. funny. I, I you didn't wanted like to or die. I was like, did I like fart accidentally? <laughs> like, yeah, I'm just like, oh my God. That is so absolutely wild. Hey, what if I took a shit? Like, what if I was comfortable just shitting? <laughs> uh, Jamie, that is the most embarrassing thing I've ever heard. I was horrified. I can't believe I haven't talked about this before. It is, it's to this day, like, devastating that he, I, to this day, very self-conscious about people, like, hearing my urine stream. Like, I'll turn on a faucet. I'll, like, turn on music. I'm like, no one is, unless we're really close, like, you are not going to, like, hear me. A hundred percent. No, you'll never know. You'll never know what it sounds like. I will go like I will fight to the death to make sure you don't know what like my urine hitting the toilet bowl sounds like. Skylar, when you were talking about that experience, it reminded me my sister and I always used to fuck with my mom when she came home from work. And there was this one time where I hid um, behind all of the pillows on her bed. She had a lot of pillows. And my mom had a really long day at work and she was exhausted. She called for us. We didn't come out and she was like, oh, well, whatever. And she laid down on the pillow. Her head was like inches away. And I just go, hi, mom. And she screamed. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I would be so freaked out. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, hi, mom. It was like really creepy. Hey, man. Yeah. Okay. Should we go back in? Yes. Let's. So later... At Charlotte's casual rehearsal dinner, Miranda and Samantha push Carrie to go hook up with Howie already. Carrie isn't really in the mood, but she eventually gives in. Unfortunately, back at her place, she ends up wishing that she had not. Howie is terrible at sex. He's just a total jackhammer. I'm just going to say again to stick up for my Jews. They really make Jewish guys seem lame, yucky and bad at sex. If I were a Jewish man. Yes, he is. Howie. Howie, that's such a Jewish name. But he is not. Brian Callen, I don't believe, is Jewish. I know, but he's supposed to be. He's supposed to be Harry's Jewish friend, Howie. Okay. I'm thinking. I'm going there. I know another non-Jewish Howard, so it is possible that he's. Yeah. I don't know if that's what they were going for. That's just my Jewish conspiracy theory. I understand. I understand. I understand. At Samantha's, she is dealing with yet another woman living alone problem. She cannot get her bracelet off <laughs> to make things worse. Smith, like? I know, God, a lot of wardrobe malfunction. To make things worse, Smith left a voicemail from Mexico, which she listens to while working on the bracelet. Charlotte, meanwhile, wakes up to not just her wedding day, but also her New York Times wedding announcement. Unfortunately, 
they screwed up. She has a mustache in the photo, like a Hitler mustache. <laughs> the bad luck from Harry seeing her in her dress is already starting. I have to say, I feel like Carrie, I mean, Charlotte and Miranda have like legitimately funny storylines in this, but I really think Samantha's and Carrie's are kind of lame. I'm, I'm sorry to say, but I don't think they're very strong. No, I mean, I guess the jackhammering is kind of like a topic they haven't covered yet. It's definitely funny, but I feel like her entire story being about that she can't let go of the trapeze. I think it's a little too. I don't know. I, I'm not impressed. Um, <laughs> no, I, and, I, I don't love the trapeze stuff at all. Yeah, it's a weird. I don't know. And Carrie and Stanford make it to the temple for Charlotte's wedding. Carrie's basically limping after her bad sex with Howie and Stanford helps her inside. Unfortunately, she doesn't get all the way there before Howie spots her. He rushes up to tell her about the suite he booked for the two of them. And she has to tell him she's not interested. That was so funny. He's like, I made love to you. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't have like, made love to you um, like that if I would. Yeah, I wouldn't have made love to you. <laughs> I was fucking really love that so much. It's that is brilliant. so funny. That it feels so real. I, yeah, I feel like that is a very real discrepancy of like a woman being like, wow, that was some really like subpar sex. And then the guy's like, oh, that was fantastic. He's like, <laughs> like, like, I nailed it again. Were you, you're like, were you there? Like, were we, was that the same sex that we were both having with each other? As yeah, much as way. it's like women and people like know that jackhammering sucks. I mean, a big part of the reason that I don't like porn is it is a lot of jackhammering. Like, it's kind of weird that it's still. It's, you know, this is a female based show, so we're showing it as something that's bad. But like, it's still in a lot of visual depictions of good sex, I think. Getting yeah, it was around. also like the way he was the way he was doing it, too. Like, it was like he was like putting all of his weight rhythm. on her and he was so disconnected from her. It's not like, let's speed this up for a minute. Like, let's just like dip our toe in the speedy sex pond, you know, to like yeah. mix up the rhythm. It was just like, he was so in his own world, fucking her. Like 100%. he was treating her That's like a, a, like a blow it. up doll. A hundred percent. As soon as the ceremony gets going inside, things go wrong. Howie mouths, fuck you to Carrie. Harry <laughs> spills wine on Charlotte's dress. Samantha breaks her bracelet and all the pearls spill everywhere. It is bad. Carrie catches up with Charlotte in the bathroom after the ceremony. Hey, Charlotte, are you okay? This is a disaster. It's the worst wedding in history. That's not true. Although I, I only saw most of it from here down. Harry never should have walked in on me wearing my wedding dress. Now we're cursed. You're not cursed. You're married. You just got married. I know, but I wanted everything to be perfect. Okay, you have to stop with the tears. You already had the perfect wedding, and the marriage, not so perfect. You know, I think this is a good sign. Love. I think the worse the wedding, the better the marriage. Love that. I a stain on my dress. That's good. That's a good sign. You're just trying to make me feel better. No, I'm trying to get you to open your eyes because you're missing it. What? Everything. You're missing your wedding. You have a wonderful man who loves you, who will be there to catch you when you fall. Do you know how special that is? I would love to find a man who is strong enough to catch me. Hmm. So let's get to that reception so you can fall on a cake or something. Okay. That's beautiful. 
I love that scene so much. And just to, you know, bring in some personal experience here, when I, like, my whole, I mean, you guys have definitely heard me talk about my book, but, like, my whole, the whole reason I wanted to write my book is that with weddings, I feel like there's so much focus on perfection, but it doesn't mean that if you have everything, like every little detail nailed down that you actually are going to have like a great wedding. It actually has nothing to do with enjoying your wedding. So I really appreciate this, that I, that it sheds some light on, on wedding culture and how wedding culture is just so toxic. And this idea that like everything has to look a certain way and that that equates with happiness and joy and like connecting with your partner. And it's like, it couldn't be more separate from that. You know, we have talked a lot uh, on this podcast about the ways Carrie falls short as a friend. And this is a very nice scene yes. because this is this is Carrie doing what a friend really should do. She and it's, is it's, such a good friend. And it's also true. I don't feel mm-hmm. like she's saying this just to make her feel better. Like she was like, no, I'm trying to get you to open your eyes. Like it is such a good point. It's imparting really awesome wisdom. And, you know, there's a there's a million reasons that we can go on and on about why this show is so excellent and uh they're all totally valid and i think one of the reasons is that this excellent character of i was thinking about it earlier in the podcast on this episode it's almost like herman's head like each one of these women represent a mm. part of us like everyone has each of these things and the perfectionist like charlotte is the perfectionist as a writer for there's a lot of writers that listen to our pod and also us and storytellers and actors. And a perfectionist is a really great archetype character because you can really see the challenges that they face and the growth. And like yes. when you have a yes. character whose problem is they're extremely controlling and need to be perfect, it's really satisfying to put them in a situation where everything is going wrong. Because as corny as it sounds, it is a life lesson. It's like, Life is it's imperfection is impossible to attain. And so if that's what we're striving for, we'll never be happy. And like if you can be happy in the messy moments, it's it's kind of like that's really what winning at life is. It's not like having no flaws and no problems. It's having the problems and yeah, laughing that's, your ass off anyway. Well, that's what that like Glennon Doyle has that great quote that's like a hard life is a good life. And I really do think that kind of comes into play here where it's like when we equate like, I don't know. It's interesting because it's like, yeah, so what? Like st- stuff got spilled on your dress and, you know, Samantha broke her bracelet. But it's like none of that really matters at all. Like all of the stuff that really matters is very intact here. There's also to to the point that you're making, Rose, there's a way in which because these are such uh, sort of sort of defined characters this scene or this whole sequence the the mess of a wedding sequence plays out the way that it does because if they were if if they were a little looser with the characters that this were happening in like season one you could make this sequence be like it's a matter of perspective this is insane how fucked up this wedding is what if everybody's like laughing at it but like that's not charlotte charlotte would be devastated by the wedding going the way that it's gone and it gives the opportunity for carrie to be like hey let's have a little bit of perspective because Carrie, again, as a written, defined character, has that perspective. And it's like it's it makes this sequence really, really great. I think it's also exciting because Carrie actually is quite like aesthetically detail oriented. And I feel like if Carrie had a wedding, it would she would be really focused on the perfection of it. I think like that is a big deal to her because she is kind of 
you know, she loves fashion. She loves she loves like the look of things, I think. And I think a wedding is a lot about like look and vibe. And so it's exciting to see someone like Carrie also kind of come to this realization of like, yeah, everything's like you're good. You have like you have the man who loves you like your life is so full. Open your eyes. It's like exciting to hear that perspective from someone who honestly might not have that perspective if she wasn't put in the position to like lift charlotte's spirits totally i agree with that it's interesting too like this is more of like a writer storyteller thought but tv has gotten really sophisticated and cool these days and um a lot of shows that we all love are very nuanced and the idea of extremely defined characters i think now is considered maybe a little more old school like Mm -hmm like friends where it's like Monica's the yeah. this one. It's like nowadays people don't do that quite as much. And I actually think that there is a benefit sometimes of having these extremely defined characters instead of these like wavy, interesting hip yeah. characters, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's almost something like, I like this might be a little bit of a weird example, but there's almost something like when you see, like a like a play where it's like it's nice to see the performance of life sometimes rather than what is so popular now which is to actually like try to capture things that are much closer to life like it's it's fun to take big elaborate swings with things every now and again and i think that this show gets to do that while also getting its grounded moments as well yeah it's also fun watching like two archetypes clash like just the sort of base level of that of like this person is this way and this person is this way. Imagine if they were to go head to head in a situation. It's like on Ted Lasso, which Jamie writes on, I think there's some really good characters that are really defined that I think a lot of the really fun scenes are watching that. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I have to say, uh, last thing I'll say about this is my grandma had a bad wedding. Um, My grandpa Mm -hmm. was the youngest of 11 siblings. And the night before his wedding, all his brothers took him out and got him completely completely drunk he was a hundred percent hungover he was like stumbling through the vows he spilled red wine in my grandmother's dress <gasps> and she was very furious but they've been married for 60 70 oh, years so i love that story so bad wedding good marriage i love that all right well rose yes let's close this puppy out so everyone heads to the reception unfortunately it ends up being just as much of a train wreck as the ceremony howie is drunk so his best man speech quickly becomes a bitter rant about carrie using him for sex miranda tries to get things back on track but she fails when her speech catches on fire on one of anthony's long candles the episode closes with charlotte and harry doing the horror Miranda getting hit in the face with Charlotte's bouquet and Carrie making one last attempt at her big trapeze catch. She falls, but she falls into her safety net with the rest of the core four at her side. That is sweet. It is sweet. And this brings us to the question of the episode. When you're young, your whole life is about the pursuit of fun. Then you grow up and learn to be cautious. You could break a bone or a heart. You look before you leap, and sometimes you don't leap at all because there's not always someone there to catch you. And in life, there's no safety net. When did it stop being fun and start being scary? When she's saying, when did it, does she mean life? I think so. Yeah. And I think dating, too. I just think it started being scary around age 12. I think as soon as you kind of stop being a 
kid, like playing with stuffed animals, you know, just hanging out with your friends kind of kid. And you start to think about boys and like your place in the world and your identity and how, you know, how you relate to people, how you relate to guys. What do they think of you? What do you think of you? I think as soon as like ego really starts to like pick up in your preteens, I think that is when shit gets really hard. And I actually do think things when she says she says, when did things stop being fun and start being scary? She's kind of saying now is scary. I feel like things get less scary as you get older again. Like, I think they they get scary from like 12 to like 35. And then I think you start to kind of value yourself more and like be on your own team more. And then it's not that it gets easier. But it definitely is like, I think you just trust yourself more and that feels less lonely or something. I feel like I definitely had good moments here and there in childhood, but I had a lot of uh, anxiety and fear and sadness growing up. So ever since I was a kid, I didn't feel carefree in any way. It was a lot of pain. And so I think over the years, now living outside of my family's house, now having distance. I love my family, but I think all of the healing work I've done, actually, I've gotten more fun and carefree and a little lighter as I've gotten older versus other way. Right. Right. Same. I think I think my especially like I feel like I don't know if you guys feel this way, but I feel like there's an undercurrent of her referring to her 20s and those being like a fun time. And then now things have gotten scarier. Do you feel that at all? I think so for Carrie in particular. Like I think yes. usually yes. there there are times when these questions kind of relate a little bit more universally, but I think right. from the perspective of Carrie, like right. I could see her being particularly scared at this moment because it's post burger, right. post Aiden, post right. big, like everybody she's committed to somewhat seriously recently has burned her in some severe way or another. So I think she's in a spot where she's a little more scared of dating at the moment. Well, I think that's one thing about this show that I I don't really I can't get a great grasp on where they stand, but I feel like there's a bit of glorifying how easy things were in your 20s a little mm-hmm. bit, and I just couldn't agree with that less. I thought, I mean, when I look back on my 20s, I mean, I was like so fragile and like everything was just like so contingent upon like outside validation and like, it's just, yeah, I was just like dating was really hard. I was living in New York. I was trying to like do the sex in the city thing and like date a bunch of people. And it was so unnatural to me. And I just wanted to be in a relationship. And I was like trying to sort of like live out this personality that was not natural for me at all. And yeah, it was just a very confused time. And I talked to feel like the people I've talked to also kind of felt that way because like, there's also the like element of sort of grappling with like, what do you want of your career and will you ever make it and will you ever have money and you know like all this stuff it just just everything kind of piled on in my 20s I felt like so mm-hmm. with this show when they kind of make like oh god like the 30s are really scary I'm like I don't I don't really I don't know I just feel like I'm a little more emotionally sound now like the panic levels are not as high doesn't mean things don't get hard but it's not it's not like like I feel like in the way like Carrie's talking about her safety net, I feel like one thing for me that's been cool about my 30s is I feel more and more as I get older, like I am my own safety net. 
That's interesting. I mean, that's literally um, in ACA, the 12 step program that I'm in, the whole thing is about becoming your own loving parent and like becoming your own safety net, just like Jamie said. And you said a lot of things that I think are really astute and smart that I agree with, which is you have to feel safe to play and have fun. If you don't feel safe, you actually can't. And so I was like a tight fist for like many years and decades. And then the safer I feel, the more I can release. And like, they've literally done psychological studies on kids. And it's like, if you don't have secure attachment as a kid, you're not going to like go and play like. Mm -hmm. And so I think um, you are able to take more risks and put yourself out there and have fun and joy when you feel rooted. And again, I keep bringing up family stuff, but like many, many people, I would say the majority did not come from safe feeling, emotionally safe, supportive backgrounds. And so you have to learn how to build it yourself so that you can go off and play. Yeah. I love that. Love that. Okay. Well, this brings us to our final segment. Sex in the City is obviously a very horny show. So we end each episode by sharing what we are currently horny for. Rose, what are you horny for right now? I've got two horny fours. Okay, great. Um, I'm reading a book that was recommended to me that is fucking <gasps> unbelievable. Oh my God, tell me. I'm the writing is so good. As a writer, it's the kind of writing that like really gets you excited to like get behind your computer and oh write. Oh my God. Oh my God. Um, it's a book called Priest Daddy. <gasps> oh, I heard about this. Yeah. By They're pa- making it into a show. Awesome. As they should. Yeah. Yeah. Um, by Patricia Lockwood. Right. And she's so funny she's a poet so she wrote two books of poetry before this and imagine like a poet who's also hilarious it's like her choices especially coming from stand-up her turns of phrase and her choices of words mm. are like brilliant oh i can't wait i'm gonna read it you're, you're the second person to bring it up to me it's excellent and then i have one more little side recommendation because Sometimes I'm like scratching my brain to be like, what are my horny fours? But I have a couple and I just want to tell you guys exactly what it is. Um, There's a podcast that was recommended to me. It's called the Ezra Klein show. Mm. And there is an episode 383. Okay, I'm writing down. And he is interviewing someone named Vivek, V-I-V-E-K, Murthy, M-U-R-T-H-Y on loneliness. And Vivek Murthy (gasps) used to be the Surgeon General. And he talks about how loneliness affects your actual health. And oh, like what it, my God. Yeah. And like, basically, like, it's, I think, a, a must listen these times. I'm lonely. Everyone is lonely. I think there's shame in admitting it and saying it, which is why I think it's really important to, like, say it to, like, all the yeah. listeners to be like, it's okay to say it doesn't, even on the podcast, they say, Vivek, who's, like, an expert on this, mm-hmm. um, says that like people feel shame admitting loneliness because they think it means that they've like failed in some way or that they're unlikable or that they're doing something wrong. Whereas it's like actually like a structural issue mostly. Yeah. Um, so I think these are really lonely times and I think everyone has to get very creative about how to stay connected. And I think it does us all a service of listening to this to remind ourselves it's not just getting outside and taking a walk that we have to do and getting good sleep. It's also figuring out how to be close to people. It's oh, the most. I am going to listen to that today. I you cannot must, wait. You must. I cannot wait. Jamie, what um, are you horny for this week? I'm horny for 
I guess I'm horny for New York City. Woohoo! That's where I am right now. I fucking love it. I really do. Um, and I'm also horny for I'm I've been listening to Angel Olsen a lot. Um, she's so good. If anyone out there needs like just I don't even know how, well, how would you describe her, Skylar? Like what's her The thing is she like she she like vacillates so hard because she like has like these super up tempo like hard rock songs, and then she has like some of this like dream pop stuff yeah. too that is like she's awesome. Like she's such she's an amazing just talent. So good, and like her voice is so dreamy. And yeah, it's yeah, good you guys rain just... music, rainy, rainy winter. Yeah, but then some of it's also like kind of uplifting. I don't know. She's just like I just think. Yeah, I've been I've been doing a lot of walking around and listening to music and so I fun. just keep coming back to her. I think she's so great. So yeah, if you don't know who Angel Olsen is, definitely listen to her. What is the album? What's the one with um Shut Up Kiss Me is my face? favorite. Oh, is that the album? Uh let me look. Kate LeBon is good too if you like Angel Olsen. Oh, Kate yeah. LeBon. Kate, how do you spell the last name? C A T E L E B O N. Oh, it's from My Woman. My Woman. Yeah. That is the album I would start with. It's so good. Before we sign off, I have to say, we, I say this a lot. We say this a lot. But um, coming into the new year and gratitude and all this shit, we really, I, I, I just have to speak for me, like we, we have the most amazing fans of this podcast. You guys, uh, once in a while for my ego, I will check our reviews. You guys leave the most loving, kind reviews. You send us the most personal, vulnerable messages. I wrote a very vulnerable message about this year on my personal Instagram. Yeah, I loved that, by the way. Thank you. So many of our listeners commented. And I just I feel like just know that we, we hear a lot from you guys and gals that like the podcast brings you joy. Just know that you guys also bring us joy. So it's a two way street. I love that you're saying that. And yeah, I mean, it really the community around this podcast is like truly the most gratifying, satisfying thing. So, yeah, we love you guys and really appreciate that. You know, you, you don't just listen. You also like communicate Engage. with us. Yes. Yeah, it's awesome. And I will say this. No matter how many times we say it on the pod, we keep getting frantic, terrified messages about the show ending. It is not going to end. It no. is going to grow, change and evolve. You will love what it evolves into and just keep the faith. We got you, girls and guys. Yes. And on that note, God bless everyone. Happy 2021. Good night. And to all a good night. Love ya. And to all a 2021. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Couldn't Help a Wonder. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at chbwpod. And follow my co-host Rose Cerno on Insta and Twitter at Rose Cerno. And please follow my co-host Jamie at Really Jamie Lee on Instagram and at The Jamie Lee on Twitter. And please rate, review, subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app if you're nasty. It helps us. It helps you. It helps everyone. You nasty. Bye. Bye. Forever. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Joe Cilio, Alex Ramsey, and Brett Boehm. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.